You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is time. It is time. They can't be Packers. No. Are you crazy? Listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I am your host, JJ Lady, and uh, I'm not going to talk very much in this intro because uh, if you can't tell, my voice, <laughs> my voice is shot. Uh, my daughter, my infant daughter, got me sick. Uh, she picked something up at the pediatrician and brought it back and gave it to me, so I just can't even talk right now. But I did record. A fantastic conversation with somebody that you're going to want to hear from. Um, so we're going to play that here. And then my original intent was to uh, build out some more content on this episode around that conversation. And I'm sorry, my voice just is not going to hold up. So um, I'm just going to play the conversation right here. Hope you enjoy it. And when it's over, we're just going to cue the outro and get out of here. And then hopefully in a day or two, my voice will return and um, I can bring you some more top-notch content. I got a lot of stuff loaded up in the hopper, ready to go, that I'm excited to bring to you. So without further ado, here we go. I've got a very interesting guest uh, online with us today. You know him well. Uh, you know him as Chris Jacobet because he writes in to the show frequently and we discuss a lot of his ideas. Um, I have to issue a correction. I'm informed that his name is not pronounced Jacobet. It's actually Huacome, like a nice bowl of guacamole. So, um, Chris Huacomay, thank you for coming on the show. How you doing, JJ? Good to be here. Tell us what you do for a living. Before you tell us why you're on here today, I think it's going to be interesting to dig into your background a little bit. Uh, sure. I'm a systems engineer. I graduated with a degree in aerospace engineering and I work developing displays for airplanes. Okay. So you get a guy with a big brain like that and turn him onto the NFL draft. And of course he's going to approach it in a very different way from a lot of us. So Chris, um, you unveiled for me a project you've been working on, a big math project that you've been working on. You believe that you have a, a at least some stage of development that you have a, sort of a mathematical model of that should predict the NFL draft and what players more or less you'd expect to go to each team um, at least early on in the draft. Is that an accurate summation? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I like to think of it as a data centric draft machine. You gave me access to it and 
I don't, I don't even know what to do with all this information. Now, you've been living and breathing in this spreadsheet. And so, I mean, you know your way around the whole thing. It is massive. There's 15 million points of information in here. And it's all color-coded and everything references everything. Um, talk us through what points of information you felt were the most important um, to weigh as you were trying to figure out what sort of predictive model here was going to give you the best results for, you know, figuring out all these different NFL teams. All right. So let, let me give you a little background here. So I've compiled this master spreadsheet of all the 2023 pros, prospects, which has rankings from 12 different evaluators, position specific grades from PFF and NFL draft buzz and athleticism scores, which I then use in conjunction with roster evaluations to determine a team's needs, prospect visits to determine a team's wants, and max position value at any given pick in the draft order. So if we're talking about Carolina at pick number one, we ask, what are Carolina's needs? And the two biggest needs by the numbers would be cornerback and offensive guard. Quarterback doesn't even register here. Andy Dalton, who they got from the Saints, graded really well last year. And he's too young for Carolina to register QB as a need. When I note that his age of 35 is close to a positional age limit that I set, which is 35 or which is 37 for quarterback. So he's not excluded from this analysis. Okay. Then you move on to what does Carolina want? So I determined that that's quarterback based on the fact that they've scouted seven different quarterbacks, four of which have had primary visits. And then finally, there's the positional value at pick number one, which is also quarterback by about 10 to one over the next highest position. So the engine ends up picking quarterback, and then it determines which quarterback based on the highest grades and evaluations with respect to a team's preference, thereby selecting the quarterback from Alabama, Bryce Young. It's very interesting. Um, obviously, you're a Packer fan, and we're all Packer fans here. Can we can we just get a sneak peek? Uh, sneak peek. Who does the uh, machine say we're drafting at pick 15? All right, let's get to the the center of this juicy meatball and figure out what yeah, AI everybody took for us. <laughs> so everybody's here. At pick 15, the Green Bay Packers select wide receiver Jackson Smith and Jigba. Booyah, my boy. Now, us Packer fans obviously have learned to temper our expectations as far as drafting a wide receiver in the first round mm-hmm. seems like some of the Packers are just never going to do for us. Talk to me about why the math says it will be a wide receiver. It's just that look, when we're looking at positional needs for the Packers, there's, sure. there's two situations that you kind of come up with and it's either wide receiver or tight end. And based on how the board falls, there ends up being a surplus value at wide receiver that coincides with the Packers needs at wide receiver and, you know, visitations by wide receivers. It just adds up to, to them taking JSN. And, and I'll say that there are, there's such sensitivity in the model that if uh, 
if a GM from another team decides to go down a different path, for instance, this has the Colts taking Will Levis at four, which is a popular mock to take. But you have to realize from the Colts perspective, they haven't scouted many other top tier quarterbacks other than Will Levis. They could just as easily trade back or take a cornerback, which is another high pick for them. And if they do that, the board falls differently and maybe one of the teams taking cornerback then takes a wide receiver. And that puts the Packers on a much closer, narrow range to taking a tight end instead. Yeah, that, that was going to be my next question is, so your model says that at pick 15, JSN is the most likely wide receiver for the Packers to take. Mm-hmm. If he is already off the board, um, or, or let's just say that, you know, he doesn't exist. He got abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. Who's who's the next player or position then that your model would, would uh, gravitate towards? If he's not on the board, the next player it gravitates t- towards is Jordan Addison or Zay Flowers. After that, we move on to tight ends. Interesting. Now, uh, one question that I, that I have, because as I'm trying to, you know, just use my layman's knowledge of just mm-hmm. obser- observing the Packers, you know, we, we know that they tend to um, look at some positions in, in the first round and maybe even particularly early in the first round, at, you know, and, and look at like, hey, this is a position that it's really hard to find elite talent at other places in the draft. And like edge rusher is one of those of, mm-hmm. or corner of like you kind of got to take an edge rusher or an offensive tackle early, or you're just not going to find them. Um, does your model take that into account as well? When we do roster analysis, uh, the model grades positions uh, differently. So defensive edge um, tackles are graded much, are given much higher weights than mm-hmm. tight ends or halfbacks. Um, let me see. I think wide receiver is graded just below the defensive edge and tackle. Yeah. So even though we're weighting defensive edges or tackles higher, the the value at wide receiver overcomes that 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 weight. Sure. Sure. And and when you consider the totality of all thirty two teams it seems like they do all have that high of a value on wide receiver and the Mm -hmm. Packers, at least by the way that they have um, prioritized roster building over the last few years and and the, um, the value that they seem to place on wide receivers compared to other teams seems like that is a, a slightly lower um, position Mm -hmm. of value in the eyes of the Packers compared to other teams. And I imagine that that kind of team to team nuance would be something that's really hard to account for um, in a model like this. That is, it's not impossible. That is certainly, I would say that is a drawback of this is that I don't consider, and I wouldn't even put it at TM at at teams. I'd put it at the GM level, right? Saying individual GMs drafting differently, and maybe they have different, you know, preferences or priorities, even within the position, you know, we talk about the Green Bay Packers wanting someone who's, you know, a prototypical build over six foot, over 200 pounds, at wide receiver. This doesn't necessarily take that into account because it's not looking at the GM preferences. It's just looking at how evaluators are looking at, looking at it and what teams need and what their, 
the prospects that they're interviewing. Yeah. Now I noticed uh, looking at, um, at your model here that uh, tackle Paris Johnson Jr. And uh, Peter Skaronsky both went uh, before the Packers mm-hmm. were even on the clock. Looks like Roderick Jones ended up going substantially later to the Jaguars at was that pick twenty four, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, if uh, let's say that, that uh, Paris Johnson was still there, is, is that like an uh, an automatic for the Packers over JSN? It's difficult for me to say because Paris Johnson, I haven't seen him fall that far on this model yet. Sure. Yeah. And, and 15 would be very far from the fall based on, you know, our, our, our understanding of, of what the uh, NFL values him at for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and based off of the value of need for the Packers tackle would be the third highest need for the Packers. And so, then, so you uh, had their, you had wide receiver as their number one need. Yeah, their number one need is wide receiver, followed by tight end, and then and then tackle, and then tackle. And uh, what are the next two needs? Let's round out the actually. So, sorry, sorry, not tackle, but but offensive guard, and then linebacker, and then there's basically a cavern to the next one. Linebacker really surprises me um, since we mm-hmm. have Devondre Campbell and. Uh, Quay Walker, mm-hmm. what do you think that that uh, perceived need is based on? Is that like Devondre's age? Is it the way that Quay played last year? It really is just the way that, that Quay grades out last year. And I think he had a phenomenal season. And and one thing that I did in this model, because after I had uh, shared this, um, I got some feedback because the Giants had were taking a tackle initially. Mm-hmm. And why would you take a tackle if you just – picked up Evan Neal last year in the first. So I made a, an ex a sort of a soft exception for uh, exemption for rookies that gives them a base level of, of a 60 grade. If they were drafted within the first round and they're still on their rookie contract. Sure. But even with that 60 grade, you know, linebacker ends up being our fifth lowest grade. To the uh, quarterback enthusiasts here. Uh, in our audience. Mm-hmm. So you, your model has the Panthers taking Bryce Young, mm-hmm. the Texans taking CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson went seventh to the Raiders. Where's Will mm-hmm. Levis? Will Levis uh, goes to the Colts. Oh yeah. I missed him. He's at, at four. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Let's circle back to the Packers again. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now uh, we are only looking at, the Packers with pick 15 and 45 were not factoring in any compensation that they could potentially get from the jets. That's true. Who are they taking at 45 um, right now based on, on this predictive model right now they are taking tight end Luke Musgrave. Yeah. You and I were talking before we started recording about Luke Musgrave because I admitted to you that I really don't like Musgrave as a prospect very much. Mm -hmm. You know, when I look at um, how he played, um, both in 2022 and even in 2021, I just didn't see, you know, a, a really great um, football player um, mm-hmm. in my eyes. I just saw like a freak athlete and doesn't really grade out very well in any area. Uh, his stats aren't, I don't think that impressive, mm-hmm. but I was looking at him through the lens of a productivity metric uh, called wide receiver OPS that was developed by Paul Noonan over at, 
uh, Acme Packing Company. Uh, you can follow him at Badger Noonan on Twitter. And uh, he scores very highly there. And, and if, you know, if you're looking at – so this only measures productivity in college. And then if you combine that with the athleticism score, RAS, Luke Musgrave, of the tight ends that we have a full – you know, uh, athletic score four, like for, for example, Dalton Kincaid has not done any of the agility scores. We have no idea what his RIS is, but Luke Musgrave uh, actually comes in as the number one uh, highest ranked tight end in the draft class mm-hmm. when you combine athleticism and productivity. And that, that which just kind of floored me for, <laughs> for the fact that when I look at his stats, I don't think they look very impressive, but it's, it's also such a small sample size that, mm-hmm. that the, you know, predictive model just says, Sorry, man. He's, he's good. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, you know, I like that because I actually have a potential score in this model and he's top of the charts for tight end. But, you know, as a Packer fan, I look at him and I'm like, this guy's got limited production, hasn't been on the field that much. And, you know, it's not my first choice. I, I probably, I mean, we, and a lot of predictive mocks have the tight ends, uh, Dalton Kincaid, Darnell Washington, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Michael Mayer, all going in, you know, close to the fifth. But I think what was interesting about this is with Dalton Kincaid and Darnell Washington, this predicts them falling almost to within range of the Packers. And I could see them potentially trading up to take one of those two over Luke Musgrave if they didn't feel he was their guy. Yeah, yeah and it really is one of those situations where <clears> – <throat> Obviously, we don't know what the team thinks of him, what the scouts mm-hmm. think of him, you know, and, and if they really come to the conclusion, like, you know, one of these guys in particular just has this sky high potential. And maybe that is Musgrave. And they say, you know what? We don't really care what he did in college. We care what he th- we think he can turn into in the pros, you know, and, and like we don't want to be limited by the ceiling of a guy like Michael Mayer who has, you know, less athleticism. So um, that's obviously where there's just no way, obviously mathematically to predict what these um, talent evaluators are going to think on their own and, and you know, what, what they think of their own coaching staff's ability to develop a guy. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones 
And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Chris, uh, dig in a little bit more on uh, JSN and Luke Musgrave. What specifically sets those guys apart in terms of being, um, by your model, uh, exceptionally good fits for the Packers? So I was actually a little surprised that Jackson Smith and Jigba ended up being this selection because Mm -hmm. this model is only using last season's data. It doesn't look at their career in college. And he basically didn't play last season. He only really has only played one year of college, 2021. Right. So his, uh, his potential score actually really suffered. If, if you put in his, his stats from the previous season, obviously it looks much better. Sure. Um, his production score is also slightly lower, but he did have, you know, good athletic scores. Yeah. I, one thing that I'd be really interested in seeing in like a version two of this down the road would be, um, looking at, uh, you know, some, some in-depth historical data on mm-hmm. sort of the, the thresholds that uh, a team like the Packers adhere to pretty strictly like like jsn does pretty much fall within their guidelines but like for example jordan addison and zay flowers you mentioned are like the next two guys up Mm -hmm. um for the packers here um both of those guys have some um smaller uh, body types smaller body types uh like jordan uh, jordan addison actually you know very limited athletically compared to most of the other top guys Uh, both of those Mm -hmm. guys i would say do fall pretty far outside of the uh traditional um, athletic requirements that the mm-hmm. Packers have for the wide receiver position. And and JSN is, for the most part, within them. It's slightly shorter arms, but not mm-hmm. I, probably not a big, you know, a huge deal, the, the arm length compared, compared to, uh, you know, the, the production level that he had in 2021 and the rest of his um, athletic makeup. He does, I, I think, profile pretty well for the Packers. Yeah, I think um, definitely on my list is making a, a body type modifier. That mm-hmm. is league specific, but also GM specific sure. because there are just tendencies that people tend, you know, they, they gravitate towards. And if I think if JSN was on the board, you know, this model says Addison and flowers would be next up, but because I've seen how sensitive it, it gets when that scenario occurs, I could definitely mm-hmm. see them switching from taking that wide receiver and moving towards tight end, which would be the first ten do- tight end off the board, which I think Gutekunst really tends to do. Like he likes to be sort of at the uh sure, you know, the beginning of those positional runs rather than, you know, at the end or in the middle. We saw, yeah, we saw actually, that last year. 
I, I have found it interesting in a lot of past years when you hear Gutekunst talk about, okay, where does he see you know each draft class being particularly deep? I, I think a lot of people tend to take his answer as like, oh, that's a position where you can really just find some winners in some of the late rounds. And it seems like actually what he likes to do is when there is a position group that he thinks is really deep, he likes to hit there early and often. And like, you know what, if it's a really deep class, usually the guys who are, you know, at the top of that class are like really, really, really good. And so he wants to really dig it there and then take multiple swings there because there is sort of that depth as well. Mm-hmm. That's why I like, I, I almost have in making this, I kind of expected to see the Packers take a swing at cornerback just because I know he said, you know, oh, the, the cornerback class this year is looking really promising. Yeah. But in this Ed, model, tight end, edge, and cornerback are the, the three he said. Right. And in this model, they're not even taking um, edge or cornerback until the fifth and sixth picks. All right. I see that. Uh... At pick 22, you have the Ravens taking Keely Ringo. And that is um, important for me because I firmly believe that Keely Ringo is who Goody is going to take. Just <clears throat> now, I don't like Keely Ringo at all. When I watch him play, I'm like cringing. But Keely Ringo, I think, is like one of the most Goodikins picks ever. Kind of similar to how I viewed Christian Watson last year of like, Hey, I was not a big fan of what I saw from Christian Watson's college tape, but just looking at his athletic makeup and, you know, what is his top end potential if he ever hits that, it was like undeniable to me that they were going to move heaven and earth to try and make sure that they got him on their team. And of course they did. So um, Keely Ringo is the guy I'm watching like a hawk this year. I'm, I don't want him, but I think he's a G man. I mean, he's got that going for him. He does, yeah. Yeah, Goody likes those uh, those Georgia defenders, no question about it. I would say right. one of the interesting things about him that I saw was he has a lot of interest from a lot of different teams. In terms of in terms of interest in other prospects, he has he's like right in the middle of the board in terms of most interested prospects. Some of them are like uh wow, Gervin Dexter, it exceeds him Carl Brooks these guys are later rounds I kind of expect these when I see a lot of interest I kind of expect these guys to to jump up earlier Dwayne McBride you talk about uh Ty J Spears these guys have much more interest at their position than a lot of other other players Carl Brooks was the very first 2023 draft prospect that I fell in love with this is back in probably like October and I just was pulling some raw data on these guys and I was looking at uh pressure rate. And at that point, uh, Carl Brooks had like an absurd, like, I don't know, 24% pressure rate or something stupid. And so I just, I couldn't take my eyes off of him and I just watched everything I could. And I was like, Oh, this is the guy. I love Carl Brooks. I think his uh, athletic testing numbers were really disappointing ultimately, but uh, uh, I, I still really love him. I, I, I uh, Hoping, holding out hope that he uh, was reading gold. I, w- I would be thrilled to have him as a draft selection for us. Is your model smart enough that we could, on the go, um, swap out some picks here? Could we see what the board would look like if we executed a, a trade for Aaron Rodgers for pick 13? You want to pick up some draft co- draft capital from the Jets, huh? 
Yeah, yeah. Show me what it would look like if we did pick thirteen specifically. All right. If we if we take the Jets pick from pick thirteen and make it a Packers pick, what we get here. What we get here is that they would take JSN a little bit earlier. And then okay. at their next pick, they would take Michael Mayer. Oh, stop it. You're kidding. This is exactly what I want. That would this be like perfect a glorious draft. You know what? I actually like their second round pick too. Um, Tuli, Tuli, I say Tuli T from USC. <laughs> Tuli T from USC. I love it. I, I like him as an edge rusher. Somebody we're going to need with Rashawn Gary being out at the beginning. And uh, actually, this ends up having us take uh, Christopher Smith as well in, at uh, 78. Now, Christopher Smith um, is a guy who I thought had some really impressive tape, but I think that his RAS came back in at like a – It came pretty poor. A 2.1 or something terrible. I think one of the – you know, when a safety grades lower on, on RAS, I, I, I don't really feel as terrible about that because what I – want in a safety is somebody who has the football intelligence, right? I want them to, to know when they're going to make their breaks or, you know, where they're going to cover. And I see that in Christopher Smith's game all over. I don't, you know, I don't need someone running four, three as a safety. You can run four, six, and I'm totally fine with that. But as long as you have those football intelligence, um, so, sign me up. So I got, I got his numbers here. Cause he ran a four, six, six and his total RAS out of 10 was a 1.28. Oh my gosh! Just it breaks your heart. That's that's about as bad as I have seen. I'll tell you, the the only thing that that's good of that is that it probably means his draft stock will go down, and you can pick him up right. a little bit later. Right. Um, okay. What about this? Um, let's do one more, and then we're gonna get out of here. I think. Uh, what if we got the the Jets two second round picks instead of pick thirteen? So we're still at fifteen. And give us their two second picks. So we got two picks at 42 and 43. So we got three picks. And then at 45. They're almost all right next to each other. Isn't that the the Patriots sandwiched in between us, I think? Yeah, I think so. Stinking Patriots. Who are they going to steal? No, it's the uh, the Falcons right between us. Okay. All right. right. Patriots coming right after. Um, We got a. So in this scenario, we have. Jackson Smith and Jigba. With the first Jets pick, we take Darnell Washington. Interesting. The next pick would be Thule T from USC. Right, and then 45. Clark Phillips, cornerback. A little undersized cornerback with lots of uh, RES upside. That is very interesting. Now, what happens if we throw all of our third round picks into a fiery furnace and never draft in the third round again? What does that do for the mock draft machine? <laughs> I'm kidding, but it's it's not a bad idea. <laughs> you know, I, I liked uh, Gudekun's strategy last year of using that to trade up a little bit more. Was I that think last year. No, that was. Yeah, no, because last year he. Oh yeah, he gave up the he gave up the the fifty three and fifty six. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, yeah, that's what he did. That's I. So here's the question, though: Is if you use your third round pick to trade up, does the curse just get burnt, or does the curse transfer to whoever you traded up for in a different round? That's a that's a good question. <laughs> you know, I actually, in part, in doing this, I was I've been trying to develop uh, a little bit of an engine for 
making it so teams trade up and down in this draft? Because there's a lot of times where a team's going to pick based on what positions are coming at them. But sometimes that doesn't match up with what you need most at that, at that moment. So I've been working on doing something with moving up and down and using a realistic trade. You'd think that a GM would give their next available pick plus their one after. So that's kind of the model in which you draft. So if you were sure. to say, take that 43 pick and pair it with your third round pick, move you up about 16 spots to the back of the first at pick 27. Very interesting. Um, now, one of the things that you mentioned was <clears throat> that you were tracking um, the uh, players that teams were uh, bringing in for visits. Did you feel like uh, there was, uh, you know, any kind of a clear and obvious indicator looking at uh, who the Packers were visiting with that that really made you lean even more strongly toward uh, wide receiver and tight end, or was that mostly just based on pos- you know positional need on the roster? Right now, the Packers don't have very many clearly defined. I mean, we're still early in the visit cycle, so there's not as much data as you'd like to have. But in terms of prospects that they've been looking at, um, the top two positions are wide receiver and tight end. And I actually, in this model, I, I had further broken this down to give bonuses that are specific to rounds. So if they're interviewing guys who are, you know, tier one talents who could be gra- drafted in the first, they get more of an incentive towards drafting those players. And in the first round of the prospects we visited, Again, it's tight end and wide receiver. And the only prospect right now that I see as a first round from the Packers potential, potentially is Darnell Washington, tight end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Very cool. All right, Chris, uh, thank you so much for coming on here and uh, sharing all this information about mm-hmm. your model that you're working on. Um, I think we're all very interested to see how it keeps evolving as you continue to work on it. Where can people find updates on this project and your um, other uh, content that's related to the Packers as well? Um, you know, if I make more updates, I'll probably post it on uh, the NFL draft subreddit. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at extrapolated and maybe I'll post it there. All right. Awesome. He is Chris Huacome. Uh Thank you so much for your time. Uh, look forward to having you back on here again to see future updates of your model and other cool NFL math projects you work on down the road. Sure. All right. Good, good, good being here. Good talking with you.